Merry Bloody Christmas by Michelle Roger Christmas Eve morning was cold and damp. A layer of fresh snow had fallen overnight and blanketed the ground. Children in town were gathering outside of the old Macy's department store window between the Fago soda stand and the Detroit State Bank. They pointed at the classic toys, train sets and dolls, guitars and hockey sticks, teasing one another about what they might open from Santa the next morning. Parents held steaming cups of coffee while they chatted with one another, occasionally stopping to glance over at the podium. Detroit had become a city of less than 10,000 since the pandemic. Santa's visit took days to arrange in other cities like New York and Chicago, but in Detroit, the whole Christmas gift selection took less than a few hours, leaving plenty of time for Christmas Eve dinner and celebration. Toddlers gathered in the front of the crowd, happy to play and laugh with other children after the long isolation. With the arrival of holiday break, the feeling of freedom rested solemnly on the teenagers who banded together in small gangs. Two boys dared the others to go and touch the outer perimeter fence. A few others, dressed in their hunting camouflage, hoisted gaunt-looking girls up on their shoulders to get a better look over the chain link. Martin McDonald joined them, his backpack filled with bags of chopped-up squirrel parts and freshly killed snowbirds. He passed out the parcels to the other boys. Several fathers stood talking about the new car contract in town. There was speculation as to which of the big three might land it successfully. Detroit was always hungry for jobs and revenue for the city. The men stood with their backs turned to the teenagers, acting like protective barriers between the young adults and their own small children. Mothers spoke of their clever, gaunt daughters as they beamed with pride. Several selected in other cities had been refused Santa's gift because they were too thin and sickly. Christmas music played over the speakers along the sidewalks. Mrs. Wilkins joined the mothers hugging a few ladies she hadn't seen since her husband's funeral. Soon, the people broke up into family groups as the time drew closer for the ceremony to start. Martin McDonald joined his father, rubbing his hands together in mischievous anticipation and giving the other boys a big grin and a thumbs up. Rachel, high atop Matthew Crave's shoulders, said she could see a cloud of snow traveling low along the ground heading their way from beyond the green zone line. A ripple of silence rolled through the crowd. Heads turned and necks careened to get a better look. The large crowd followed her pointed finger as she pinpointed a cloud of swirling ice and snow. Mothers picked up their toddlers and held them close. Husbands put a comforting arm around their wives. Their attention was soon redirected as the Christmas music grew louder and a limousine pulled up behind the podium stage. The mayor, dressed head to toe in white fox fur, stepped out of the car and waved to his constituents. Security flanked him on either side as he made his way along the icy sidewalk, his breath for steam in the winter air tumbling like smoke from his perfect smile. It was a smile that widened as he saw the children wave back to him, Ah, future voters, he thought to himself. Mayor Brim strolled up to the podium. 
The gate of his walk told the story of his life. Brim had once been a gangster turned leader during the pandemic. He galloped up to the podium where a microphone was hastily adjusted. His assistant handed him a small tablet. He tapped the screen and began to read his speech, never once breaking his toothy grin. Merry Christmas to the best damn city in the whole world. We are the city who never gives up. We are the city who put the world on wheels. Never ever forget that. No matter the obstacle, we have persevered. Be it to be beaten down by the man or beaten up by disease, the Lord will provide. We must remember to remain thankful for our lives and humble for what we have been given. Today, we embrace the spirit of goodwill, comfort, and joy for every last damn creature tough enough to stay here. I ask you to bow your heads. All gathered bowed their heads in reflection. The mayor, one part spiritual father, one part government leader, again began after a moment of silence. Hey, you kids, who's coming to your house tonight? A handful of children yelled, Santa! The mayor put his hand to his ear and leaned towards the small children in the front. Who? The crowd answered in a roaring, mocking cheer. Santa! Mayor Brim roared with enthusiasm. That's right. As a matter of fact, I think I hear him coming down the street now. Right on cue, a sleek, cherry-red Mustang roared around the corner, punching the throttle up to 90 miles an hour and doing two laps around the heart of campus marshes before squealing its tires and stopping in a cloud of smoking rubber next to the podium. The mayor laughed shyly. Who needs eight tiny reindeer when you got 420 horses? You know what I'm saying? The mayor walked coolly over to the Mustang and opened the passenger door. A fat man dressed in a red coat, looking tired and weary, stepped out. A few of the children yelled, Santa! He shook the mayor's hand, and the two men made their way back to the podium. The mayor took the mic again. Thank you, Santa, for arriving here today to help us with our ceremony. And thanks to the census, we've sent a text message to every person listed as head of household in this fair city. Parents and grandparents, please check your cell phones. Men and women of all ages held up their devices as their screens glowed brightly. Santa will be helping me to determine who will be chosen to participate in the Christmas gift selection. The mayor turned to Santa and asked him to randomly choose one phone number from the list on the mayoral tablet. Santa looked into the crowd. He couldn't help but see the somber faces of the teenagers and adults. He pushed his way past the mayor and spoke quietly. It is my belief that every creature deserves the basic comforts that we as the human race can provide, especially at this time of year. His words were sincere, but his expression was anguished as he scrolled through the scripted speech. He hovered his mittened fingers over a random phone number. Before he placed the call, he added, I know that there are many myths about me and the gift-giving. 
Whoever is chosen this year will receive the gift, no matter if they are half-starved or healthy, young or old. The gift is appreciated no matter who or what you are. A few of the mothers in the crowd gasped. Several girls wobbled on their pencil-thin frames, objecting, saying that they had read they could be denied selection if they were too thin. Their panic increased as the snow, just outside the outer fence, rolled and kicked in a cloud of activity. From the cloud came the faint sound of wailing and growling. Santa turned to see the inevitable approaching. He took a deep breath and touched the tablet. Anxiety-filled silence fell over the crowd as they listened for the ringing of one phone. Mrs. Wilkins trembled as she placed the phone to her lips and answered, Hello? Cueing the music over the speakers, the mayor shouted her name like a game show host selecting a contestant. Mrs. Emma Wilkins, you and your family have been selected by Father Christmas himself. Come on up to the podium and introduce us to the rest of the Wilkins clan. The mayor was bursting with energy as his assistant hurried the woman and her family to the podium. Santa and the mayor clapped and the rest of the crowd followed their lead. A single grandmother and three adult children, two girls attending Wayne State, and a boy who worked a successful meat stand at the Eastern Market held one another close as they timidly made their way towards Santa. Santa hugged each of them as they came to the podium. When he was finished, he gave a wholesome ho ho ho. The young man, not more than 20, turned to the mayor and began to argue. Our grandmother just lost her husband to cancer this spring. It isn't fair. Our family should be exempt from receiving the gift. The mayor kept on smiling, smoothing out his fox fur lapel, continuing with the ceremony, ignoring the boy's protests. And now we begin the Christmas gift selection. Who do we have for this very important honor? A small boy dressed as an elf came up to the stage and presented Santa with four golden orbs, shining brightly on a red velvet pillow. The boy presented the pillow to Father Christmas, as if he were presenting a crown to a king. Meanwhile, a motor kicked on, and a large extension of the small staircase at the back of the stage slowly extended out towards the fence and beyond its secure edge. By this time, the snow cloud had settled and the residents of Detroit could see their former neighbors. Not quite dead, but not quite living. The zombie-like, monstrous creatures were the survivors of the recent brutal pandemic that had killed off over half of Detroit's population. The little elf boy began to count them. He looked up at the mayor a lot more this year, sir. The mayor put his hand cautiously over the mic to prevent the crowd from hearing. Santa turned to the Wilkins family. You know they all will freeze to death if we don't... You know they all will freeze to death if they don't have living flesh and blood to consume. It is our duty as the human race to help the sick and the homeless. One of you will be selected to be the gift of this city. 
to keep our less fortunate neighbors alive until such time a cure is discovered. God bless you and your act of giving. Martin McDonald broke free from his parents and joined a few of the other boys. They ran to the fence and threw their bloody chum bags into the throng of the undead. The bags broke open just under the fully extended platform. A few girls screamed as the zombies began to fight over the chopped bloody scraps, ripping and tearing at one another for the tiny bit of food. The mayor turned his back to the crowd. From his front pocket, he found the handle of the small 38 caliber gun. Santa sighed at the unnecessary tactic. He whispered to both the mayor and the sobbing Wilkins women, I find your use of weapons highly condemnable, mayor. I'm sure that this fine woman would want her neighbors to be fed and cared for as if it were one of her own children out there beyond the fence. Santa directed Mrs. Wilkins and her children out on the extended platform gently. Once the family was on the catwalk, the mayor returned to the safety of the podium. Santa joined the Wilkins as they trembled. He offered each of the girls and Mrs. Wilkins a golden orb tied with shining ribbon. The boy was given the remaining orb by default. Some of the healthier creatures below the Wilkins family jumped and grabbed at their feet. The more desperate ones rolled in the snow, fighting for the scraps of bone and the bird-filled bait bags the boys had thrown. They were working themselves into a frenzy, and the residents of the city pressed closer to the fence to get a better look. The mayor began shouting over the mic, making Mrs. Wilkins cry. Back up, people! You know better than to get near that fence! He pulled the mic away, but his voice trailed off as he cursed and directed Santa. God damn it! Get it over with! I'm about to have a lawsuit on my hands over some brat who gets cooked by being pressed against the fence! Santa closed his eyes and listened to the snarls and screeches below the catwalk. He took a deep breath and said, Merry Christmas! Open your gifts! One at a time, the members of the Wilkins family opened the golden orbs. Mrs. Wilkins was first. Then each of the girls opened their orbs to find a tiny gold-gilded bone. Each one looked at the sadistic charm with confusion and repulsion. The mayor smiled and raised his hands to the crowd. Everyone applauded. When the young man opened his, a bloody chicken bone popped out and tumbled onto the platform. Immediately, the young man began to scream, No! We should be exempt! I'm the only man of the house left! Exemption! Exemption! Please! Pulling the woman quickly towards him, the security guards separated the Wilkins family in a blur of activity. Dragging the sobbing women to the podium, the mayor held them tightly in his furry arms and countered. My administration has always believed in the equal rights of men and women. No family requires a male head of household. With the crowd distracted for a brief second, Santa took his cue and pushed hard on the lever attached to the platform extension. The extension gave way, its end falling violently into the snow, scattering the snarling mob. Jacob Wilkins went tumbling down the catwalk and into the center of a mad feeding frenzy. 
The undead survivors of the pandemic tore his shirt as if it were wrapping paper. They yanked off his belt as if it were ribbon. They tore at his face and feasted on his blood. A few lucky ones ran off with huge chunks of flesh, an intact arm and a whole knee. The weaker ones gnawed on his bones until all that remained was part of his shoe, a button from his peat coat, and a small golden orb glistening in the bloody soup.